Section 18 of Inca Lands. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michelle. Inca Lands by Hiram Bingham. Chapter 10 Searching for the Last Capital. Part 2 before the completion of the river road about 1895 travelers from cusco to the lower urubamba had a choice of two routes one by way of the pass at ponticala followed by captain garcia in 1571 by general miller in 1835 castle in 1842 and wiener in 1875 and one by way of the pass between mounts solcantay and sorai along the solcantay river Wadquinia, followed by the Comte de Sarge in 1834 and Ramondi in 1865. Both of these routes avoid the highlands between Mount Solcantay and Mount Veronica, and the lowlands between the villages of Piri and Wadquinia. This region was, in 1911, undescribed in the geographical literature of southern Peru. We decided not to use either pass, but to go straight down the Urubamba River Road, it led us to a fascinating country. Two leagues beyond Piri, at Salapunco, the road skirts the base of the precipitous cliffs, the beginnings of a wonderful mass of granite mountains, which have made Wilcapampa more difficult of access than the surrounding highlands, which are composed of schists, conglomerates, and limestone. Salapunco is the natural gateway to the ancient province, but it was closed for centuries by the combined efforts of nature and man. The Urubamba River, in cutting its way through the granite range, forms rapids too dangerous to be passable, and precipices which can be scaled only with great effort and considerable peril. At one time a footpath probably ran near the river, where the Indians, by crawling along the face of the cliff and sometimes swinging from one ledge to another on hanging vines, were able to make their way to any of the alluvial terraces down the valley under the pass may have gone over the cliffs above the fortress where we notice in various inaccessible places the remains of walls built on narrow ledges they were too narrow and too irregular to have been intended to support agricultural terraces they may have been built to make the cliff more precipitous they probably represent the foundations of an old trail to defend these ancient paths we found that prehistoric man had built at the foot of the precipices close to the river a small but powerful fortress whose ruins now pass by the name of sala punco sala meaning ruins punco meaning gateway fashioned after famous saxaulman and resembling it in irregular character of the large ashlars and also by reason of the salients and reentra angles which enabled its defenders to prevent the walls from being successfully scaled it presents an interesting problem Commanding as it does the entrance to the valley of Torontoy, Salapunco may have been built by some ancient chief to enable him to levy tribute on all who passed. My first impression was that the fortress was placed here, at the end of the temperate zone, to defend the valleys of Urubamba and Ollantaytambo against savage enemies coming up from the forests of the Amazon. On the other hand, it is possible that Salapunco was built by the tribes occupying the fastness of Huilcapampa as an outpost to defend them against enemies coming down the valley from the direction of Oyatatambo. They could easily have held it against a considerable force. 
for it is powerfully built and constructed with skill supplies from the plantations of torontoy lower down the river might have reached it along the path which antedated the present government road salapunco may have been occupied by troops of the inca manco when he established himself in Uiticos and ruled over Wilcapampa, he could hardly, however, have built a megalithic work of this kind. It is more likely that he would have destroyed the narrow trails than have attempted to hold a fort against the soldiers of Pizarro. Furthermore, its style and character seem to date it with the well-known megalithic structures of Cusco and Ollantaytambo. This makes it seem all the more extraordinary that Salapunco could ever have been built as a defense against Ollantaytambo unless it was built by folk who once occupied cusco and who later found a retreat in the canyons below here when we first visited salapunco no megalithic remains had been reported as far down the valley as this it never occurred to us that in hunting for the remains of such comparatively recent structures as the inca manco had the force and time to build we were to discover remains of a far more remote past yet we were soon to find ruins enough to explain why such a fortress as Salapunco, might possibly have been built so as to defend Wilcapampa against Ollantaytambo and Cusco, and not those well-known Inca cities against the savages of the Amazon jungles. Passing Salapunco, we skirted granite cliffs and precipices, and entered a most interesting region, where we were surprised and charmed by the extent of the ancient terraces, their length and height, the presence of many Inca ruins, the beauty of the deep narrow valleys and the grandeur of the snow-clad mountains which towered above them across the river near quente on top of a series of terraces we saw the extensive ruins of pata yacta pata height or terrace yacta town or city an inca town of great importance it was not known to rimondi or paz soldan but is indicated on wiener's map although he does not appear to have visited it we have been unable to find any reference to it in the chronicles. We spent several months here in 1915 excavating and determining the character of the ruins. In another volume I hope to tell more the antiquities of this region. At present it must suffice to remark that our explorations near Patayacta disclosed no white rock over a spring of water. None of the place names in this vicinity fit in with the accounts of Uiticos. Their identity remains a puzzle, although the symmetry of the buildings, their architectural idiosyncrasies, such as niches, stone roof pegs, bar holds, and eye bonders, indicated Inca origin. At what date these towns and villages flourished, who built them, why they were deserted, we do not yet know, and the Indians who live hereabouts are ignorant or silent as to their history. At Torontoy, the end of the cultivated temperate valley, we found another group of interesting ruins possibly once the residence of an Inca chief. In a cave nearby we secured some mummies. The ancient wrappings had been consumed by the natives in an effort to smoke out the vampire bats that lived in the cave. On the opposite side of the river are extensive terraces, and above them, on a hilltop, other ruins first visited by Messrs. Tucker and Hendrickson in 1911. One of their Indian bearers, attempting to ford the rapids here with a large surveying instrument, was carried off his feet and swept away by the strong current, and drowned before help could reach him. Near Torontoy is a densely wooded valley called the Pampacawa. In 1915, rumors of Andean or spectacled bears 
having been seen here and of damage having been done by them to some of the higher crops led us to go and investigate we found no bears but at an elevation of twelve thousand feet were some very old trees heavily covered with flowering moss not hitherto known to science above them i was so fortunate as to find a wild potato plant the source from which the early peruvians first developed many varieties of what we incorrectly call the irish potato the tubers were as large as peas mr heller found here a strange little cousin of the kangaroo a near relative of the Cenolestes. it turned out to be new to science to find a new genus of mammalian quadrupeds was an event which delighted mr heller far more than shooting a dozen bears torontoy is at the beginning of the grand canyon of the urubamba and such a canyon the river road runs recklessly up and down rock stairways blasts its way beneath overhanging precipices spans chasms on frail bridges propped on rustic brackets against granite cliffs under dense forests wherever the encroaching precipice permitted the land between them and the river was once terraced and cultivated we found ourselves unexpectedly in a veritable wonderland emotions came thick and fast we marveled at the exquisite pains with which the ancient folk had rescued incredibly narrow strips of arable land from the tumbling rapids how could they ever have managed to build a retaining wall of heavy stones along the very edge of the dangerous river which it is death to attempt to cross on one sightly bed near a foaming waterfall some inca chief built a temple whose walls tantalized the traveller he must pass by within pistol-shot of the interesting ruins unable to ford the intervening rapids high up on the side of the canyon five thousand feet above this temple are the ruins of cori wayaquina cori gold wayara wind wayara quina a thrashing floor where winnowing takes place possibly this was an ancient gold mine of the incas half a mile above us on another steep slope some modern pioneer had recently cleared the jungle from a fine series of ancient artificial terraces on the afternoon of july twenty third we reached a hut called la Manquina, where travellers frequently stop for the night the name comes from the presence here of some large iron wheels parts of a machine destined never to overcome the difficulties of being transported all the way to a sugar estate in the lower valley and years ago were left here to rest in the jungle there was little fodder and there was no good place for us to pitch our camp so we pushed on over the very difficult road which had been carved out of the face of a great granite cliff part of the cliff had slid off into the river and the breach thus made in the road had been repaired by means of a frail-looking rustic bridge built on a bracket composed of rough logs branches and reeds tied together and surmounted by a few inches of earth and pebbles to make it seem sufficiently safe to the cautious cargo mules who picked their way gingerly across it no wonder the machine rested where it did and gave its name to that part of the valley dusk falls early in this deep canyon the sides of which are considerably over a mile in height it was almost dark when we passed a little sandy plain two or three acres in extent which in this land of steep mountains is called a pampa were the dwellers on the pampas of argentina where a railroad can go for two hundred fifty miles in a straight line except for the curvature of the earth to see this little bit of flood-plain called mandor pampa they would think someone had been joking or else grossly misusing a word which means to them illimitable space with not a hill in sight however to the ancient dwellers in this valley where level land is so scarce 
that it was worth while to build high stone-faced terraces so as to enable two rows of corn to grow where none grew before any little natural breathing space in the bottom of the canyon is called a pampa we pass an ill-kept grass-thatched hut turned off the road through a tiny clearing and made our camp at the edge of the river urubamba on a sandy beach opposite us beyond the huge granite boulders which interfered with the progress of the surging stream was a steep mountain clothed with thick jungle it was an ideal spot for a camp near the road and yet secluded our actions however aroused the suspicions of the owner of the hut melchor artega who leases the lands of mandor pampa he was anxious to know why we did not stay at his hut like respectable travellers our gendarme sergeant carrasco reassured him they had quite a long conversation when artega learned that we were interested in the architectural remains of the incas he said there were some very good ruins in this vicinity in fact some excellent ones on top of the opposite mountain called huayna picchu and also on a ridge called machu picchu these were the very places charles wiener had heard of at oyatatambo in eighteen seventy five and had been unable to reach the story of my experiences on the following day will be found in a later chapter suffice it to say at this point that the ruins of Picchu turned out to be of very little importance while those of machu picchu familiar to the readers of the national geographic magazine are as interesting as any ever found in the andes when i first saw the remarkable citadel of machu picchu perched on a narrow ridge two thousand feet above the river i wondered if it could be the place to which that old soldier baltazar de ocampo a member of captain garcia's expedition was referring when he said the inca tupac amaru was there in the fortress of picos Uiticos, which is on a very high mountain whence the view commanded a great part of the province of wilcapampa here there was an extensive level space with very sumptuous and majestic buildings erected with great skill and art all the lintels of the doors the principal as well as the ordinary ones being of marble elaborately carved could it be that picchu was a modern variant of picos to be sure the white granite of which the temples and palaces of machu picchu are constructed might easily pass for marble the difficulty about fitting ocampo's description to machu picchu however was that there was no difference between the lintels of the doors and the walls themselves furthermore there is no white rock over a spring of water which calancha says was near uiticos there is no pucurura in this neighborhood in fact the canyon of the urubamba does not satisfy the geographical requirements of uiticos although containing ruins of surpassing interest machu picchu did not represent that last inca capital for which we were searching we had not yet found Manco's palace. End of chapter 10 End of section 18